father's tent There you are You're running for your life You're a shooting star And all the years No one knows Just how hard you worked But now it shows In one shining moment It's all on the line One shining Coaches, welcome back again. This is Coach Kevin Furtado, the Championship Vision Podcast. Welcome to episode 117. Today we have Coach Tom Halmeyer. He is the head girls basketball coach at Bittenville High School in Bittenville, Arkansas. Coach Halmeyer worked under Coach Blair at the University of Arkansas from 1995-1997. He has coached 22 years all at Bittenville, 19 years as a head coach. He made it to the state finals in Arkansas in 2003, 2019, 2020. Unfortunately, this year the game was canceled. They were in the finals game, and it was canceled due to the virus. His teams have been conference champs 2013, 2019, and 2020. His teams have made it to the state tournament 18 out of the last 19 years. What we're going to talk to Coach about, and actually I was very fortunate to talk to uh Coach Rippy, the boys coach from Bentonville, two really strong programs. The girls program, boys program, have really, really strong programs and two great coaches. Uh, I think you're really going to enjoy this because um, we're going to ask uh, Tom, you know, how, how, what, what are his top five strengths? What, what are your top five strengths in building your great program that you have there? Because they have tremendous consistency there. So we can always learn from all these great coaches on what are they doing? What are their priority lists? for their program. I think you're really going to enjoy it and uh, sit back, enjoy, get your pens, pens and uh, notebooks out. So we're looking forward to talk to Coach Tom. Tom, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Coach. Hey, how you doing? Good, good. How's everything out there? Can you hear me good? I can hear you really good, yeah. Great. You know, it's like that first practice. You know, we're trying to get in that good first practice. In. That's what happens sometimes, right? <laughs> that's that's why I love benefit games. Because uh, the, the game doesn't count, but, man, you, you learn so much. You just learn to reteach yourself how to set up the game again. That's right. Exactly right, Coach. I appreciate you taking the time out. Um, I loved um, talking to coaches from different states. Um, I just have a passion for that. And, uh Hey, I stole a lot of stuff from uh, Coach Rippy, so I know I got my my pen out here. I'm gonna I'm gonna be taking a lot of stuff from you, and I know you've had a lot of success. Um, hey, this is the first time we've actually had a girls and boys coach from the same school. I'm excited. Oh, really? Yeah, that's cool. That is really really cool. I always like to hear different perspectives. I know there's a lot of programs that have, you know, successful boys and girls teams. I think there's a I think there's a reason why for that. I don't think it's by happenstance, and I really want to kind of pick your brain on how both teams are really successful. Hey, can you go back to when you first started playing? Um, I know a lot of coaches that are coaching now. They they had that love for the game when they were kids, and that's why they're coaching now. Tell us about your story from when you started playing. Uh, man, I you know I, I went to a small school. Uh, Lead Hill, which is like a little 1A school. I mean, the total population in the town was 280. 
<laughs> I, right. I remember. I remember where I was sitting at. I remember uh, who was uh, teaching my health class. I was in seventh grade, and uh, matter of fact, uh, one of the classrooms was off the side of the gym, and it was Coach Parks who was teaching health class. And and uh, he's a good dude. Love that man. And uh, I got thinking, man, I just want to be. I want to be the coach and uh, just kind of be like a lot like him. And uh, then my brother, Toby, who's 10 years older than I was, well, he was going through college at, the, at that time and he became a coach. And uh, immediately I just fell in love with it. Just be able to hang around with the kids. And it, it's kind of like what coach Rippey said to his podcast is once you realize your playing days are over, this is about as close as you possibly can get still feel like you're still playing. You still have an impact on these kids' lives and also to just be around the game. Yeah, it's amazing. We don't realize, do we, Tom? And you probably do because you've been coaching a while. Man, we got a tremendous impact on these kids. You never know what some of these kids are going to do. And a lot of them will become coaches just like you. Absolutely. And I think that's the biggest compliment that a coach can get is that when you have other kids uh, that you've coached, gone to college, uh, and come back and start a coach and get involved, and uh, they're running the same practices the way you ran them, you know, the same drills, the same plays. And and, uh, and a lot of times what they do is they, they'll contact you and say, hey, Coach, we ran this play right here. What, what, what you know, kind of reteach them. And, and there'll be a lot of times they're, they're, they're in our competing district. And uh, But it gets to a point whereas I want those young ladies – uh, to be successful at coaching, no matter where they're at, even if I'm competing against them, I still want them to be successful because a little sense of pride uh, of seeing those kids kind of grow up at such a young age, become young coaches and just kind of give them back to the game, which is to me is really gratifying, satisfying to me. Yeah. And that is, it sounds like to me, Tom, that's kind of your why of coaching. Don't you understand? I mean, I think a lot of coaches out there, Man, we got to win, 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 win. Man, if that's your why, it's going to be frustrating for you. But what is your why of coaching? Is that it? You want to have an impact, and hopefully some of these kids will go on in successful careers? And Absolutely. I mean, it's one of those deals. You, you And a lot of times those kids won't tell you that at that time. And you know, What's really gratifying is when they come back 10 years later and say, hey, coach, they, they just want to come in to visit and just sit down and just kind of hang out and just talk and and stuff like that. But what kind of keep, keeps me going is uh, just taking a group of young ladies in August and just trying to mold them and trying to figure out what's the best way they can play together. And by the end of February, you kind of look at, hey, this is the best product that we've got. I'm very proud of these young ladies, how hard they work and how hard they were committed to the program. To me, that's what kind of drives me, um, you know, now, don't get me wrong, in November when you start having those practices five <laughs> days a week and the, the grind kind of kicks in and stuff like sure. that, you know, that's one of the things that uh, it kind of it kind of wears on you a little bit. But I just keep thinking that the end product, I'm just looking at the end of February and just see whether these young ladies, are, how far they have grown. Yeah, you want to see the growth in the process, it sounds like. I mean, you want to yes. see like, you know, your yeah. hard work is paying off, correct? Absolutely. And then you see this and you see certain kids that early on, oh, that kid ain't gonna be, you know, she's player nine or player ten, you know, and all of a sudden she goes ahead and starts figuring things out and 
boom, she's starting, you know, she's player six. I love those kids. I love those kids that come out of nowhere that you're kind of like, you don't, you don't, you're not writing them off as all right, she'll next year, she'll be able to help us. But I don't know what happens. Sometimes it clicks and I said, all right, this kid is figuring things out right now. She's really coming uh, a long ways and, and just be able to see that young person and be able to kind of grow and blossom into a, a very good competitor. Uh, those, those, those type of kids. I just, I just love seeing that. Yeah. And that's, uh, I think the special coaches have that knack, Tom, I'll be really honest with you. I think you're probably successful for a reason. I, um, I think that coaches have a certain knack to kind of see that in kids, those intangibles coach, uh, give me a timeline. It sounds like it looks, well, actually it looked like on your resume that you, you've been at the same school for your entire career. That's pretty amazing these days. Uh, I'm very blessed with, with that. Um, I love I love this area. My wife's a Bentville girl. You know, uh, she grew up here. She remembers this town being a one stoplight town, and she remembers the first McDonald's coming in. And, and that, <laughs> now this town, this area, just has just has just blown up. And uh, but yeah, it's one of those deals. Whereas I've early on in my career, I was fortunate enough. Uh, for the school district just kind of let me be able to grow a little bit as a coach because you know we all like you said earlier so we all start out hey it's all about the wins and losses it's all about the wins and losses and, and a lot of times the perception that's what it is is the wins and losses on the perception part but we all know who's who's in the business you can't you can't focus on that you got to focus on the kids you got to focus on the individuals and uh, just try to make them just a better player uh, not just a better player but also a better person one thing I figured out is if you make them be a better person, they're going to naturally be a better player. And uh, so that really kind of – those are the years that I've kind of – I was fortunate enough, whereas our school district let us – or let me kind of grow into the coach uh, that I am right now. And uh, and I've just been very blessed. I mean, this is, like I said, it's been, it's been great. Uh, it's been a great ride, you know, so far. And, and uh, I hope it, it continues at least another 10 more years. Yeah, um, I'm really impressed with the loyalty because it, I think it's hard for coaches these days to be loyal. Um, right, Tom? I mean, you see coaches probably going all over the place looking for that next best yeah. job. Um, so so it sounds like to me it's a community, your administration supports. It's a it's a family there at Bentonville, right? It is. It is. You have a lot of uh, – we have our administration is fantastic. You know, they're very supportive of athletics. You know, this year, we, I mean, we got a district AD and we got two other athletic directors on site at two two different high schools. And that's their commitment of making sure someone's there at every game. You know, it's, you know, every every varsity girls game we have, we have at least three administrators there. And that just says a lot about them. And one of them, they show up because they just love watching girls basketball. They just yeah, show up sure. on here and help out. And, and uh, she coached a little bit when she was younger and she just loved seeing – the level of players that we have come out and play. And uh, when you have that as, as a coach and as a program, your kids see that. And uh, then that makes them feel good and make forces them to, all right, this is such a, this is a sense of responsibility that we got to maintain because the administration's here and the admin central office is here. And and it just sends a a really, really uh, positive message uh, to the young ladies. Yeah, and they probably see what you're doing. And I'm going to pick your brain on, um, I, you know, your top five. Like, how are you building your program? 
because uh, I don't I don't know if everybody has a priority list, and I think it's really important. You listed your five pretty quickly, which says that you guys have priorities in your program. Hey, I, before we get into that, I think your program, just from reading what's going on, you guys were in the state finals. You've been trying to win that state finals for, what, three years, Tom? And yep. now the game has been either postponed. I don't know what's going on. Tell me about that. Man, you got to have some mentally tough kids to be able to handle that. This this year, you know, of course, last year we made it to the finals. We got beat in the last second shot. And uh, it, we just made mistakes down the last two, three minutes. And, you know, and in, the level, in the level of intensity of the game, you know, hey – uh, kind of got got the best of all of us, and, and me too. Not just the players. I'm not saying the players are I mean, collectively <laughs> as a group. You know, hey, we're about sure. we're three minutes out, and, and it's just one of those deals. We just kind of made mistakes here, here, and here, uh, which we made them all year long, but we just never made them succession. You know what I'm saying? And uh, so this <clears> year, <throat> the girls they were committed about coming back, and and it was all it was all business. I mean, I, you know. We have these school the, – the kids here in Arkansas, they got to go ahead and go to school for 182 days. And we practice. We either practice or played in 139 of hmm. those days. And we, still right. had, and we still had seven more days of practice before we played the state championship game before they decided to postpone it. And, uh, so uh, – and the kids never felt burned out. You know, they, they made the, the – they did a great job of making the practice fun. Uh, coming in and, and they worked hard and and one of the things we we, we, we you know we talked about before the season I asked the seniors what was a good th- was what were the things that you like about practice you know they, they love the fact that they love the scrimmage love to compete you know they like to have time on the clock so that way they're kind of competing against one another makes the time go by faster uh, one thing they're very adamant about is that coach we don't like the mile runs I said they don't they don't like going out running a mile coming back under time I said we prefer to just go ahead and do a bunch of drills and, and stay on the court and just do, have the ball in our hands. And, uh, and that's what we've done. I mean, that's what the kids like to do. They, and the thing is, I haven't noticed it. I think they've got faster and, and stronger because of that. Um, plus, I, I think that they don't dread the practices, you know. Uh, but uh, but that's, one, that's one of the things is, is that we kind of focus a lot on. The very first thing we focus a lot on is, is transition and the, the speed of the game and and always trying to hit a moving target. And uh, when you have that, uh, work the full court drills all the time, especially the girls, that really really helps them out. And uh, plus we got to do, you know, strength strength training too. So that way they'll be able to make those passes. You know, you may have a kid be able to run like a deer, but if you don't have a girl be able to make that pass to that deer. Right, it's sure. Tough, it's tough for them to go ahead and stretch that floor out. Yeah, I'm going to pick your brain on that because we're a running team, too, and I'm always kind of looking for maybe not necessarily a drill, Tom, but maybe how you teach it, Uh, maybe certain concepts. That's what I pick up from really good coaches. You might teach it, have a term that might help me out, describe it. Hey, but before we do that, are you guys still planning on playing? I know right now everything's up in the air. What's going on in Arkansas? Is it still being postponed, possibly played? Uh, they're still talking about that, but my gut feeling, my honest opinion, I think we're done for the year. Um, yeah. Right yeah. now, we're, I mean, we're not allowed to go back to school until the school's canceled until April 17th. Uh, gotcha. Our, our gotcha. Standards yeah. testing's done. You know, I, I just don't see it. I feel bad for our seniors, you know. Um, right. 
because, like I said, they like last year they made it to the finals. This year they worked so hard to make it to the finals and and not be able to have the opportunity uh, to be able to have or have an opportunity to be able to win it. You know. Yeah, and, and how do you explain that to your kids? I mean, uh, because that's a life lesson right there. Because you can work your tail off for stuff in life, and not not for you not to succeed. Is that how you're trying to explain it to them? Uh, I know it's tough for kids. It is. It, it, that was probably probably the most difficult uh, <clears throat> conversation I probably had with 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 those kids because we, we were practicing on Thursday afternoon. We get a phone call at four thirty. Say, "Hey, coach, we're not playing. It's postponed." And uh, of course, I want to make sure the the seniors know it because I don't want to hear from anybody else. I want them to make sure they heard it from me first. And by me going ahead and talking at at you know at half court, I looked at them and their eyes are swelling up. They were up, you know, sure. they're disappointed and, and stuff like that. I, you know, and I'm kind of looking at it that this situation is worse than getting beat on a last second shot in the state finals because the kids right. have not had the opportunity to have a hand in of their own destiny, either they're winning it or losing it, you know. And, uh, but yeah, it was, it was, it was quite difficult. And, and I tell them, you know, it's just with life that sometimes that happens like that and, and everything happened for a reason. And, and, uh, but, uh, but like I said, it's never easy seeing, seeing those kids work as hard as they worked all year long and not be able to have the opportunity. They understand they get it, but sometimes, uh, you just you just you just get frustrated. Yeah, I, coach, I feel for you. I mean, if I feel for you, and I know you're hurting pretty good, but I, it sounds like to me you're building a legacy program where that that's going to really kind of carry you on. Hopefully, we'll be playing next year. Hey, I, I want to talk to you. Give me your top five. I want you to go right down. You mentioned transitions and speed first. Why is that? a high priority for you guys and tell us how you teach it. Maybe give us some drills that you do for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's one of the things we do a lot for our conditioning, just not just getting shape, but also it, it, it's, it's our part of our game. Um, the, the speed of it, what we want to do, we want to try to create, we're, we're not a pressing team. So I think there's different, different areas of basketball where you got to score points. You know, some teams are more uh, really good at rebounding. So they're going to get they're maybe 15 points off offensive rebound. And if you're averaging about 60 to 70 points a game, that's that's a, that's a good chunk. And it is. Go ahead and throw in like the free throw shooting. If you average, if you like 10 to 15 makes, you know, that's that right there. Boom. You're, you're at 20 to 30 points already uh, just on those two scenarios. And you got to throw in your transition. Uh, if you're a pressing team, you're kind of hoping off you're going to score off turnovers. Um, so what I've decided early on, the first five or six years, is kind of what Kyle, you said earlier, is that I kind of feel like I'm going to just gonna run a bunch of sets and I'm going to try offensively just score. Well, that that worked out great when you have good offensive players uh, who can be able to go ahead and understand the concept and remember the plays. And sometimes, Hey, I got some athletes that they have a tough time remember, remembering the plays. Sure. Uh, so we just kind of, we have to go ahead and back off a little bit on that and just kind of find that balance, you know? Uh, but yeah, we go ahead and with, with, with the transition part, we, we just need to go ahead. We try to get down the floor in two passes. You know, once we get the ball, when we do like a rebounding drill, we throw it up. 
They get it. They got to make two passes down. We got to score a layup out of it. It's not. We're not taking a twenty-nine footer. Um, the mentality that I want these kids to have is that once we in transition, once we get the ball down, get it out wide. We got spacing on the floor. We got certain lanes. Each kid runs. You know, of course, we got the kid rebounds. She's always the trailer. She outlets it. Mm-hmm. She's always the trailer, and kicks it out to the point. Then the twos and threes, they're always on the outside. They're so far, they're almost, I want them like a foot uh, from the sideline. That's how how wide I want them to get because I want them to be able to see the whole floor. And plus now that, it really stresses the defense out in terms of trying to anticipate the pass and things of that nature. And we had the five player. She goes, she goes rim to rim. She goes, she sprints, and she never turns and looks for the ball until she's at top of the key of the end of the floor. And if she somehow gets the ball before then, they must have called her name out and she has to make eye contact before they be able to make it. Um, as for the twos and threes, what we do in transition is that they go ahead and they go make some balls to the wall. They go ahead and they get out to the half court line, get get foot from the sideline, and they don't look back until they hit half court. And uh, our guard, our point guard, her responsibility is never dribble across half court, always advance it up or skip it before she gets to half court. And we just try to go ahead and put so much pressure on those passes. Because a lot of times the defense, they, they, run, they run down the middle of the floor, runs the paint around trying to find the kids. But this time, now we, we're spread the defense out. And uh, so we just do work a lot on that. We, do, we, got, we got a three-man drill we do that with. We got a five-man drill we do that with. And uh, but we really concentrate on a three man because the uh, because the the passes are so much longer and they're a little more difficult to make. Uh, but after about two weeks of doing it, those kids they do a pretty good job of hitting the moving target. And you know, I think in girls' game, I think if it's all stationary, it's easy to defend. Uh, so we try to go ahead. We try to really stress our passes, trying to extend extend the the transition part. Uh, in terms of get the ball down deep and try to hit our pose or just, you know, I tell the girls, if you got a one-on-two and you can turn one of those kids, get to the rim, be, 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 have a mentality, be aggressive about it. I tell my kids, if, if a charge has ever been called on them, I'll never yell at them. I never sure. yell to them because I, I just love that mentality, you know. You know, and it, only time I get onto a kid if she has like three straight charges called on her, I said, all right. <laughs> exactly. You get a little thick-headed <laughs> here. <laughs> Right. But, uh, so, Tom, you're trying to um, – are you running to the line to look for the three? Or you, you sound- hey, this is NBA skills coach Drew Hanlon of Pure Sweat Basketball, and you are listening to the Championship Vision Podcast. Sounds like to me you're looking to push and, and just rip and go. Is that is that right? You're looking to penetrate? We're looking, we're looking to get it. Yep, we're looking to get it to uh, – Two, the twos and threes in the perimeter, and once we get down, we try to hit a little like five or six feet outside of three point line. Uh, okay, you know, so that way they can be able to catch it. They can be able to hit the post player running. You know, of course, you got it, it, it's it's a it's a it's a teaching moment here because once they catch it, they said you got to watch the post player because she's not open until she hits the top of the key. Once she hits the top of the key, then all of a sudden that comes one on one. As she's run down the middle of the floor, she has three girls around her because they're all getting back. And once you receive the basketball and she hits that top, that key, and all of a sudden they start flaring out, trying to find their defenders, the people that are trying to guard, then it becomes a one-on-one situation with the post. And if you got a pretty good athletic post, you can, you can have a lot of fun with that. 
And uh, if they can't hit the post, they don't feel comfortable. And you got some kids who just like to be able to catch and just look and just they're just they just they're they just have a bulldog mentality. They just want to go ahead and rip it, get to the rim, and just be aggressive in that area. And I think that's where we kind of get uh, mm-hmm. a lot of our points uh, in that area in terms of free throws, getting to the free throw line and stuff like that. And uh, plus, down to that makes our rebounding easier uh, because. The other team, when they shoot it, now they're sending four girls back on, on transition defense instead of having three crashed boards. You know, that, that, that kind of relieves some of that pressure of us boxing kids out. We kind of get out quicker and be able to run the floor. You find it difficult, Coach, um, since you're such a running team. This is where we're a running team, too. The problem is sometimes our girls leak out before they box. So are you leaking players out to get – you know, some free trips or, or are you everybody staying in the block out? I mean, what's, what's your philosophy uh, on that? that it, it depends on, on the player. <clears throat> you know, if I got a player who gets out in the open court, who's very good out in the open court, that is something that I will go ahead and gamble on, you know, and, and what we do a lot is that early on the first five or six or seven games, that that's the learning process for us as a staff said, our right, hey, she's taking off, she's getting out pretty good. They have they have not exposed it yet. And a lot of times what happens is when she leaks out and takes off, whoever she's supposed to box out, she's going with them now because now the first couple of possessions she got in the open court and the coach has made right. the adjustment. Hey, we got to send two, three, maybe mm-hmm. four girls back because that girl getting the open court. If she's very successful, because we all know we got some players look really good in the open court. But all of a sudden, they make it a half-court game. That person becomes average or below average because they just they just kind of get stifled in their movement and, you know, things of that nature. They feel uncertain what they need to be doing. Uh, and you got some girls, they just naturally love just get out and run, see the open court, just be able to make plays in the open transition. So, Coach, are, are, is there a target percentage of, of transition points you're looking for? I know we have huddle. And we keep track of that. What's your target? I mean, are you looking to try to get, you know, 30%, 40% of your points to transition? What's so your goal? Our goal is right here. I kind of do it off the percentage part, kind of do the points. Um, so I try to go ahead and, you know, the transition part. If we get 10, our goal is 10. If we get 10 points, that's good. Then we made our goal. If we go ahead and get 15, to 16 points in transition to me that's really good because there's other areas too because i don't want to go ahead and be the type of team whereas uh when they come and scout and say hey all right hey you're, you're getting 30 to 40 percent off transitions now we're going to send four girls back right and so what that does it puts a lot of pressure on the other 60 percent of scoring in the half court rebounding and things of that area so i try to go ahead and try to minimize try to be good in every category not great uh, but be good because against the other teams who are not very good in transition defense, you're going to get those 20 to 25 points in transition. You know, you're going to be able to get be able to get those points. But if you just go ahead and be able to capitalize off of you know, hey, offensive rebound, hey, we're going to get eight to ten points off of free throws. We're going to try to get ten to fifteen points off of those, and just be able to break each one of those categories down and just try to get hit those pockets. Now, some of those pockets will we'll hit four or six points, but other pockets we'll go ahead and we'll get up to 18 and 20 points, you know. Um, but that's what we try to do, try to have a balance. So that way when they scout us, they just can't focus on one thing for, the, for them to stop us on. 
Yeah, that's a good point. It sounds like you're trying to be consistent in every game. You know you're going to get a certain number of points through each phase of the game. I really like that because I think, I think a lot of coaches try to be great in one thing, which is okay, but you're trying to yeah. be consistent in every phase. Yeah, I mean, they try to create an identity. Um, I want to have a type of identity, whereas one game, hey, they're a really good rebounding team. You know, the next game, this guy's oh, the transition, you got to be able to get back. You know, I want to be able to have that type of identity, whereas certain areas of the game, hey, they do a great job getting the free throw line, so I don't follow. You know, so I like that aspect, whereas we're not good in one thing. Or, or have not just only one thing, but we're good in several things. And just kind of have it, you know, because that way when you have players playing, they're, you're going to have certain players that are really good rebounding. They're not very good free throw line. So what that does, that kind of gives them an identity. That player gets an identity. All right, hey, this is the area where I excel in. And you may have a player or I have a player to go ahead and got in transition. They're really good in transition. Well, that's her identity. And I think once they have an identity, what they bring to the team, it creates so much more their playing ability that they're just going to try to perfect that craft and try to be the best that they possibly can on that team. Right. So, so you're trying to take the strengths of your individual players. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And that, that makes a lot of sense because in high school we can't recruit. Well, Actually, some some schools do, but I mean, um, and that's a whole. Yeah, I'll, I'll leave that one alone. I'll leave that one, Coach, alone. All right, but um, yeah, it's amazing how teams can get brand, five brand new players. Um, we have a lot of private schools in Atlanta out here. It's crazy, but uh, that's a totally another podcast we can talk later. Um, well, I really appreciate that. And you mentioned yours. What your favorite drill? Can you? Kind of describe that for us. Describe your three-man drill. It sounds like you do that a lot. Yeah, I love that. We call it ten and threes. And I can tell you this: I from Hubie Brown. I went to I went to a Nike clinic in Tulsa, Oklahoma. This is probably twenty-five years ago. And he, okay, he, this is the drill that he ran. He runs. He runs a three-man and a five-man. And he said he loves the three-man because it's a great conditioning drill. And uh, and what it is, he 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 calls it ten and threes. Uh, because basically, in a nutshell, you got to get ten layups in a row. If you do, 10, okay. if you do ten layups in a row within three minutes, you're done. If you if you if you get it knocked out in forty five seconds, you're done with the drill. And uh, so, basically, what this drill is: you got three lines, you got a girl under the basket, you got two girls on the outside, and you got two passes and you got one dribble. And that's it. You can use that dribble anywhere you want. Uh, if you go ahead, you start to drill out, you throw the ball off the backboard, you can outlet it to, to one, one of the twos or threes, the same way in our transition drill, they get out wide. And same thing, they go out, they run hard as they can to the half court, and they turn, they look on the inside because they don't know which side, they don't know who's going to throw the ball to. And, uh, of course, we got to call names out. And once you get that rebound, you outlet it. Or you can take one dribble and you outlet it. Because sometimes I let my post players rebound it and dribble out wide, advance the ball up, just kind of get out. Because some teams go ahead and try to double team and stuff like that. I like my post players to be able to handle the basketball. Uh, sure. You know, I try, I try to get the, the typical center, you know, back in the 80s and 90s, that you catch and face or catch and play your back against the basket. It's so hard to develop those type of players. So now we're just – we kind of got rid of the center mentality. And, hey, they're all forwards. You know, all shooting guards and all fours is what we want. 
And uh, so we go ahead. And so on the, on the drill, you go ahead and rebound it, outlet it, hit the first person on the right side or the left side. And the other person, I mean, she's just sprinting all the way down. And your job is to go ahead and hit her uh, on, on, on the move, on the run. And she catches it, takes one dribble, or she catches it and just lays it in. And they got to alternate right and left. So they always cannot go to the right side. They always cannot go to the left side. Because I learned real early on, they all went the right side because that's you know, everyone, you know, most of the time everyone's all right handed. So now, now they got to sure. alternate right or left. And then what they got to do, they got to get, they got to get 10 layups in a row. So you're kind of mo- moving through that drill. And now I when I think the most we've ever done uh, in a row was 25, 26. We came back from Christmas break. It was one, you know, how you're off three or four days and, everybody's yeah, out sure. and stuff like that. I said, hey, we're going to go ahead and do this for three minutes nonstop, you know. And they just went ahead and just got on a run and hit 25 in a row. But a lot of times what we do, we go ahead we, we go ahead and do 15 in a row. And sometimes it takes them all three minutes. Sometimes it only takes them a minute and a half. And they get done a minute and a half, we're done. We move on to the next drill and and uh, just be able to just be able to uh, just kind of keep it. It rewards them to be focused. And, uh, and it, it helps them out a lot too, because you find out who your weak link is either on the passing and, and, uh, the layups part, because eventually, you know, you get several kids running through that. They'll find, they'll, you'll find that weak link and, uh, and through time, they just get better at it. Yeah. And it's also good. <clears throat> it's good time and score pressure. It's, it's really good to kind of put them under pressure, and, but coach, you, so they go up and back or they yeah. just go up. Yep, so you have go, three lines. They go, they go up and down. They, all of them just go down one uh, one time down. So the whole team goes through. Then once the last once the last group goes okay. through, then they come back, bring the ball back down to the other end. So that way, you may have six girls on the actual court itself. Um, you may have one group already down shooting the layup, and you got another group right behind them, probably at the half court line, fixing to hit it too. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it, go, it goes by pretty fast. It's, it's a great conditioning drill um, for the kids because I love it because it's, it's, it's simple. You get a lot of kids in. It goes pretty fast. And also, too, it stretches the floor out because you got to make those deep passes, and you're always hitting a moving target. There's not a – on that drill, there's nothing stationary about it. Yeah, and don't you find out, Coach? I know I do at my level. Um, when you go, when you go full court drills or full court work, five on five, three on three, man, you really find you really expose the kids. You expose their uh, yeah, weaknesses, absolutely. don't and you? The kids and the kids see it too, you know, and that kind of helps them grow a little bit as a player in terms of all right. I don't have a whole lot of confidence, in this kid, right here doing this, but through time and. And trial and error, they, they finally start figuring out. And they and a lot of kids, they, they, they sure. raise their game because now this one thing about them, dis, they feel like they're disappointing the coach. One thing they do not ever want to do is feel like they're disappointing their teammates or their friends. And uh, it's amazing how they just go ahead and they kind of – they step up. You know, they really improve because you got that self-imposed pressure that you put on yourself as an athlete that you want to get better at this. And, uh, and, and like you said before, it, it really exposes them. And when it exposes them like that the first couple of weeks, that's something they really focus on. They get better and better and better at it. 
Yeah, that's so true. I mean, I, I, expose is probably a bad word to use, but you kind of find out what their weaknesses are. And then it's kind of up to the kid to kind of say, hey, this is what I need to get better at. It's that humility, right? The kid's got to show, hey, I got to get better at. And that's also the coach's job, too, because kids exactly. don't get better and, overnight. And the thing is, I try to communicate to the kids, that, hey, look, I said, you guys are going to fail in practice. That's a given. And I said, don't don't feel bad about that. And I said, you understand, you're in a perfect environment to fail. And I said, I want all the kids, I want all you guys to do or not to be able to get a taste of, all right, I failed this drill. So that way you know what it feels like early on. So that way when the game, when season's on, you got a taste of that. And that's just something you don't want to, you don't want to taste again. And you want to be able to go ahead and build off that. You want to encourage your other kids too, who, who have failed. And you're now, since you felt it, now you're going to be encouraging to that kid right there kind of because you know how it feels and you want to go ahead and pick that person up. And when you start having, like you said, like we said, being exposed, that's, that's just, that's part of it. But you're, you're being exposed in a controlled environment that you got teammates who love you, who care about you, who want you to be successful as an individual and, and not just, just as, as a player. Yeah, it's so true, Coach. And it sounds like you got players that are coaching other players, and that's a sign of a healthy program. Your second area is shooting the threes. Talk about that a little bit. Well, it's kind of ironic. Here about seven, eight years ago, I was uh, talking to a friend of mine, uh, Coach McMahon. I was in his office. And, you know, it was one of those deals where as you just kind of sit there and you kind of feel like, man, I'm such an idiot. And so I love shooting the three. I said, but, man, we're only averaging – you know, we're only hitting like two or three a game. That's it. And he said, yeah. I said, I said we're only hitting that too. And I said, we're just going to spend more time on that. And he said, just, just focus on that. And when he just made, he just made a simple comment. And I got thinking, I started evaluating my practices. We work so much on transition and shooting free throws and rebounding drills and stuff like that. But one of the main things that gets neglected is the three-point shooting. Now, we'll scrimmage and stuff like that. The kids will get that, but they don't get a lot of reps. So then I went back and I just made a commitment that we're going to go ahead and we're going to spend at least 10 minutes, 10 to 15 minutes a day in practice. Anything that gets cut, this is not one of them. And what it was is that we just go ahead and we get groups, we call groups of three shooting. And uh, we have one passer, one rebounder, one shooter, and they got 30 seconds. And their job is, and I've done it early in September, and I reward them for this. I said, if anybody hits 10 trays in 30 seconds, I said, practice is over. Well, I went ahead and made that comment. Sure enough, <laughs> one of my seniors hit, right. hit 10 trays. Actually, she hit, she hit 12 in 30 seconds. And, <laughs> uh, and she was, I think she only missed one. And, uh, and what that does is it forces those uh, rebounders to go ahead and chase the rebounding. It forces them to watch the ball hit the rim right. and, and try to get the ball out quick as possible. And the, the passers, they try to go ahead and make more perfect passes uh, instead of throwing them at their kneecaps or ankles or above their head and stuff like that. Um, but we go ahead and now we go ahead and we, we do two, four and a half minutes and uh, 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 in practice. So that way they do, we do a group in the early, in the early part of the practice and we do one towards the end of practice. And, of course, we got some other drills, too, throughout the day or throughout the practice that we incorporate three-point shooting. But we do two, four-and-a-half minutes of strictly just three-point shooting. And I even have my post players do it. Uh, now, 
I, I let them do it to get a feel of it. And, and some have turned into a pretty good three point shoot, three point shooting uh, players, and some have not. Uh, but I kind of feel like with those post players, you know, they're the ones always busting their tails down the block area and uh, let them pop out every now and then, be able to take a trade. So that way they feel, you know, part of it. They get pretty excited to it. And if, it, if that motivates them to rebound harder and play a little harder in certain areas of the game, uh, I'm, I'm willing to do that. Yeah. And you're trying to create basketball players. So you never know if that kid wants to go because of the next level. I don't think there's any post players at the next level. I think there's more face-up. What do you see out there? Because you got a pretty good school in Arkansas with Mike Neighbors. Um, his system, Have you uh, tell me a little bit about him. Because uh, they, they shoot a lot of threes, do, don't they? they? Do. It's kind of right with Mike Neighbors. He, uh, when he left Bentonville, um, that's when I became the assistant here for three years. So when he left, I basically kind of re- replaced one of his assistant spot, and the assistant was his his position. It got the head co- head coaching deal, but yeah, Mike, he's a okay. Uh, he uh, he has done a really really good job of uh, getting kids in here and playing a certain style, um, and also too he he lets kids um, you know play to their strengths so to speak, and just be able to go ahead and do the things that he loves to do. And, and of course, they love filling it up, and and I think once he gets probably a couple more shooters in that could come off the bench, and uh, I think uh, he, he consistently, I mean, he could easily hit nine to ten trays a game because he has that type of that those girls have that type of mentality uh, guard play. Um, but yeah, he loves to play it fast, and you know, if he could, I mean, the shot clock is never an issue, you know. And uh, so that's always, to me, that's the best thing that ever happened to a girls game is, uh, is having a shot clock. And, uh, and, and, you know, Gordon Mike, he said he wished he didn't have one because that means uh, he can just go down there and don't have to worry about setting the play up. He just goes out and shoots it, fires it up, and, and just gets after it. And I uh, said his shot clock never comes into play. So that's why he said that ah, we don't need one really. <laughs> so <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> yeah, he definitely has an interesting per- perspective. And you guys got two good coaches over there at Arkansas. It sounds like Arkansas, that's helping the – it's probably helping the high school in Arkansas when you have two really great coaches at your university. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it makes it makes a transition. Uh, it, makes, it makes our kids excited to play, you know, because they're locally they're, – they're close to the university – and they see somebody like that playing and have that style of play going on. It's fun for them to go ahead and go there and be able to watch them play. Yeah, and and don't you feel, Tom, that I I think you got to have – you mentioned before about identity. I don't think the colleges do enough of that. I think it's important. Like what Mike's doing over there, you know what they're good at. I think that's a selling point particularly for girls. And I think it's for Absolutely, guys too. They, when you have that identity, they can be able to relate to it. And they, 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 and they work at that style of play, you know, and, uh, and when you have an identity and you have locally, you know, like in Arkansas, we have no pro team. So University of Arkansas, that's why a lot of right. people think uh, Arkansas fans are crazy. And I'll say this, some are crazy, but for the most part, they're just very passionate <laughs> about it because we don't have an, we don't have a pro team. Um, or anything else like that. So the the Razorbacks is our pro team, 
and uh, so that's that's kind of like our identity, so to speak. And, uh, and and they and when you have coaches in there, it creates an identity for the program. Those kids could be able to relate to that identity, and they try to go, all right, that's the style of play. That's the that's the way I want to play, you know. And, uh, and a lot of times when you have local kids that go to that university, uh, the fan base just relates to that kid and just creates so much excitement for that program because they got such a strong following. Yeah, I think it's definitely a filter down effect here. We're we're still working here. We have the University of Georgia, which is an hour away from us. I graduated from there. They're still trying to find an identity out here. When Andy yep. Landers left, it never was the same. And and we got I personally think in Atlanta, we got some of the best talent in America out here. And they're they are not coming to Georgia. So hey, hey, maybe, you know, maybe um, you know, maybe we can um Get you out here, man. Maybe you can come out here and get your D one job. Out. <laughs> man, I, 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 yeah, I know. Um, that's a whole different world, right there. Uh, exactly. Yeah, that's tough. It is a tough level. Hey, your next area is making the extra pass. I love that. Uh, talk a little bit about so that. So what we do, we got we, we call it plus one. Um, so what we do, we a lot of times now. The, <clears throat> I kind of got some of this off the read and react stuff. Uh, when we attack the baseline and uh, what we do a lot of times when you attack the right side baseline, um, I, one of the things I teach my kids is to go ahead, attack the right side baseline. If you get cut off, just keep going. And it's an athletic move. And a lot of kids love doing this drill uh, because what we, what we do is that whenever you attack the basket on the right side or even the left side, you're going to go ahead if you get cut off, you're just going to go ahead and you're just going to elevate outside the baseline. And what you're going to do is you're just going to make a one-handed pass to the weak side corner. And when you attack that baseline and you make that pass, if nobody's there, you're not in trouble. You don't, you don't get, matter of fact, you don't get the turnover. It's the person's closest to that corner will get that turnover because that person's supposed to be there to be able to catch it and shoot. And this is where the plus one comes in is that now they now uh, they have picked that up. Now they're getting out covering that shooter in that corner, and but the girl in the wing, on the weak side wing is always open. So a lot of times they'll attack the right baseline, elevate outside the paint or outside the the court really, out of bounds, hit that girl in that corner, and that girl in the corner she'll do a plus one pass, and just they just get the habit of doing that. And we'll have drills do it. Well, all right, we got to go ahead and we're going to do this drill for three or four minutes. Uh, we got to get four plus one passes. And what that does, it kind of really keeps the kids, I kind of say, eyes open. You know, are they going to be able to catch and right. shoot? All right, who's the next person who's going to be open? And uh, and it's just kind of one of those deals with the kids. And those girls, believe it or not, they kind of make – I got a lot of kids who like to make that plus one pass because that's, that's an extra pass. That's a – that's a cool thing now. And because uh, they kind of feel like the maximum IQ is way up there. They could be able to go ahead. All right, I'm not open. I'm going to make that extra pass right there to the kid. And it's, it's a cool thing. And, of course, as a coaching staff, we, we, we try to encourage that. And when that does happen, we really, and if the girl hits the shot, we praise the kid who's making the extra pass more so than the girl hitting the shot. <laughs> so it's just that mentality. Right, yeah. 
and, and do you find um I think it's easier on the girls' side because my actually my girls probably pass too much. I think we give up open shots. You find that a problem we do, too? We do, and and, and that's where we got to go ahead and be selective uh, because we got some girls. I got I got I, I may have a couple of girls that hey I want them to pass. Uh, I want them to pass uh, on the open shot. I want them their 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 strength is to be able to find that open shooter because they pass the ball so well because their timing's on stuff like that. Uh, but, but I like, to, I like the kids to be aggressive, you know, I like, cause the thing is, is that uh, when you're open, you pass up the open shot. What that does, it screws up our rebounding, you know? And so if I go ahead and say, Hey, you're better off shooting and missing. Cause we got, we got three girls crashing the boards. And when you pass up an open shot, then all of a sudden you've taken two of the shooters out of rhythm because they're inside the three point line and, and it just kind of really messes everything up. And once they kind of understand that, they said, Oh, they get it. So that way, if they do miss the shot, it's not a big deal. They said, hey, we're trying to get offense rebounds on the shot because I am wide open, you know, things of that nature. Um, but, yeah, I like I like the kids to be aggressive, shoot the three ball, and just be able to go ahead and have that, have that moxie about them. Yeah, cause it, and that's, that's the one thing is we shoot a lot of threes too. And we're willing – I mean, there's times when – you know, we'll make, you know, we'll make 10 plus and there's, there's times where we'll go, you know, like yep. two for 30. I mean, but you got to be willing yep. to accept that. Right. That's right. As you a just, coach, you just got to have that mentality. And that's mm-hmm. like you, you talked about before about the identity. And it's one of those deals too, is that on those certain nights where you go for two for 30, well, then what that does, that creates penetration lanes and other areas of the game that you go might be exploited, which it kind of goes back to. Whereas, Hey, if we get, you know, 10 to 15 points off offensive rebounds, that's where it kind of helps that area out. It kind of creates penetration lanes. That's where you kind of get to the free throw line 10 or 15 times. And, uh, but yeah, it's just, it's just one of those deals. And, and, and when we do that, I asked the kids, we were not, I asked the kids this. And I said, Hey, I said, uh, I said, Hey, Nat, I said, are you missing those three point shots on purpose? And she'll just kind of look at you and she will know. And I said, don't worry about it. I said, as long as you're not trying to miss it on purpose, you and I will be just fine. And so a lot, a lot of those girls, <laughs> exactly. they, they understand that. And that's just part of it. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, and, and you're for, you know, how do you drill that before we go on to area four? Is there, is that just an emphasis or do you guys have specific drills uh, for that? On that, we, we have, uh, it's just an emphasis. We just, we just, we just constantly talk about that. Just kind of, like the, you know, when we scrimmage, uh, when we do certain drills uh, on, on the three point shooting contest, we'll, like we'll do a drill called bust it. Uh, whereas you put three minutes up, you got three basketballs, you got to do <clears throat> and bust it, which you got to do. Like we'll do 30, 10 and 10. So in three minutes, you got to hit 30 layups, 30 trays, and 30 OTDs, which is off the dribble. And what what they got to do, okay. they got to hit all. They got to hit 50 shots basically in three minutes. And, uh, and what it is, is it's a, it's a two man drill uh, where you go ahead and outlet it, and the girl runs out. And so you, you only got three basketballs going. That's it. You don't get four or five or six or seven. And, uh, and their job is is that. I'll have I'll have 24 girls like this year. I had 24 girls, and when we did that drill, <clears throat> the very first time we did that drill, it's amazing how quickly uh, your leaders step up. Because the second time we did that drill, they know real quick who could who hit the layups, who could do the OTDs, and who could do the threes. 
And what they do, they try to go ahead and say, hey, you guys focus on the layup. So that way you always kind of – you're kind of chipping at everything little bit by little in every category instead of having all 24 girls try to hit 10 trays, you know. And you just – you learn really quick throughout that three-minute drill. Um, actually, how the season went um, – that you go ahead, those certain kids do those certain drills. That's where we kind of talk about the emphasis on, hey, it's okay if you can't hit the tray. You can do this. Focus on this. Try to get better in this area. Yeah, it's funny how your players kind of know. The players know, I think, better than the coaches, like what the strengths and weaknesses are Absolutely. the players, I think. Right, and the thing is that if you get some players, you can be able to just kind of just kind of have a conversation. Because, you know, sometimes I'm getting older, but the, but the girls are still the same age. Right. Uh, so a lot of time as you get older, those kids nowadays, you know, with the technology and stuff like that, the, their one-on-one social skills is, is somewhat <clears throat> challenging at times. And I try to bring my seniors in and just sit down and just visit with them and just kind of get a pulse of what they're feeling, what they're thinking. And throughout the practice, stuff like that, I'll pull on over and I'll just find out, hey, how, how's everything going? practice going all right or we need to pick it up or your thoughts on that and what i have an idea how it's going but i want to know where this person's idea where the yeah, coach is, is not going too good so they understand if i if we if i if they, they say that and i say you know you're not agreeing on that so what they'll do they'll take ownership of it and they'll start go ahead and put pressure on the seniors and the underclassmen and just go ahead we need to pick it up and so that way i don't have to be a butthole about it anymore you know uh, kind of saves uh, – it helps my ticker out a little bit. Yeah, yeah I mean, that that's really smart. That's great advice for any young coaches out Hey, this is NBA skills coach Drew Hanlon of Pure Sweat Basketball, and I'd love to help you get game results this season. Check out a free trial of my Pure Sweat training app on the Google Play and App Store today. Out there, you don't have to make all the decisions. Allow your, your players the ownership and the uh, – authority really to uh, run the team. I, I love that. Coach, talk about your fourth area because we're we're a pretty good free throw shooting team. You, now, you said your top eight average 83%. That's pretty dang good. But, um, I mean, how do you all do that, and what's the emphasis there? So uh, that's another area of uh, practice we have. That's one thing we don't cut corners on. We make sure uh, a friend of mine go ahead and made a comment about – he, he started breaking down the stats. This was like 12 years ago. And he just, we, he just went, it was, he just tweeted it out. And uh, he said, uh, I forgot what the percentage of free throw points are. And he said, make sure you look at your practice. Make sure if your free throw scoring is, say, 20% of your scoring, and said, then your free throw should be 20% of your practice. And what that did, it kind of, I kind of, start thinking about that and like I said that makes a lot of sense and uh, so what we've done is we just go ahead we spend at least 10 minutes every day with conditioning involved we, we do we call them Texas free throws and uh, basically it's, it's one of those deals you can do however you want you get two free throws you get two shots and if you miss the first one if you go ahead and decide to go hey we're going to do one one zero so if you miss the first one you got a one down and back if you miss the second one, you got another one down and back. So you got two down and backs. And uh, you can go ahead, you can do two, one, zero, three, two, one. You know, if you hit both of them, you're still got a down and back if you want, kind of add conditioning to the free throw shooting. 
And we just do that early on. A lot of times early, you know, 10 years ago, I was go ahead and I'll start it in November. And I got thinking, no, we need to start doing this in September. So we just do it in September and uh, <clears throat> just do that uh, at least 10, 15 minutes in practice. And what that does, it kind of creates conditioning and kids will be able to learn how to shoot free throw while they're tired. And also, too, we also, at every practice, we end up, we go ahead and uh, we do, uh, yeah, we do Texas free throws and a practice. We call that both of them Texas free throws. But they know at a practice, Texas free throws, they, they, they line up on the baseline and we put five minutes on the clock. As soon as that girl grabs one, one of the nine girls uh, who ha- has to hit back-to-back free throws, what they got to do, they got to go ahead and the clock starts. They just got to hit back-to-back. If they hit back-to-back free throws, one of the players do. They hit both both the free throws. They turn their jersey. Then we're down to eight. And what they got to do, everybody has to be able to go ahead and hit back-to-back free throws. And once they do that, all nine of them got to do it within the five-minute mark. And uh, if they miss the first one, same thing. They got down and back right down and there. So the whole team runs. Right. And, uh, and it's one of those deals where uh, this year's group, was really good at some years I have some teams they just could never it's the pressure part and uh right. just have a tough time doing it but this group right here even though they even though they shot 83 percent top eight players shot 83 percent and all and all top of them it's not like they hit like they're like five or eight or whatever they were I mean they were shooting in the, in the 40s and 50s and uh so when you have players like that that's that makes my job a whole lot easier when the game the last two, three minutes of the game, you know what I'm saying? Cause I got players out there to hit free throws, you know? So that makes it, that makes that kind of sets the tone for them, how they want to close games out and stuff like that. And we have many kids as that deal shoot free throws. Uh, that makes my job a whole lot easier because I don't have to sub in and out through the offense defense thing. Uh, because the other team, if we're up like, you know, six or seven, the other team start fouling. And they know which ones are worst free throw shooter, but having five kids out there, 80 percent plus, I mean, they can foul anybody they want because I have that much confidence in all their abilities. Yeah, what I'm getting from that is, um, it sounds like you're a consistent at practice because it, it sounds like you're emphasizing it every. It's easy to neglect free throws, isn't it, Tom? But it sounds like you guys are very consistent, and it's showing up in games. And don't you agree, man? Free throws are huge, not only at the end of games, but let's say, you know, you're not shooting well in the first quarter, first half, it'll keep you in a game in the first half. To me, free throws are huge. Oh, absolutely. I'll go ahead in the first round of state this past year, uh, here about (laughs) three weeks ago. Um, It was our free throw shooting gave us the lead, maintained the lead in the first quarter. I mean, we had like an eight or nine point lead because uh, they can they continue to foul our post player. And she went to the free throw line at least 12 times in the first quarter, and, uh, and which is, to me really surprises me because she never got those calls throughout the whole year. Then she gets to state and she's getting those calls, which was awesome. Um, but, yeah, it, it's one of those deals where as those free throws could mask a poor shooting performance. And uh, so that's one of the things we tr- – it, and it is the free throws is the first thing I, I, I agree with it for free throws are one of the first things I early on I cut and uh then I got thinking man three-point shooting free throws we just 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 basically just got to work on those and uh and just be consistent with those 
Yeah, it's so true. And I, um, and it's easy and particularly with shooting and even in state tournaments, the shooting and tell Tom, tell me if I'm wrong. I, how many state tournament games that I've been in and I've seen, man, the shooting is inconsistent because the teams are better. Exactly. So it's going to, it's going to come down to what rebounding and free throws, correct on that. But if you're a consistent shooting team, that's going to also help you out. Right. It will. It will. That, that is so true. Cause a lot of times at the state tournament, you you know, now it's it's your one and done. Now the, this game, okay, the rim gets smaller. <laughs> exactly. Uh, the, the, your your passing gets a little bit hesitant, you know, because you're just afraid to make that mistake. And uh, with the offensive rebounding and the free throws, that will help those areas out um, in that. And then what that does, once you kind of – once the nerves go away a little bit, hopefully that, that rim – will seem a little bit back, bigger uh, for you. Coach, talk about your final area, because I know, I know you got to go, and I, I really appreciate you sharing your five keys to your program. Your weight room, um, that's, that's important, isn't it? You better have some kids that have some strong legs, strong shoulders, right? Yes. It's one of the things that um, – and I can tell you this, and I'm about seven, eight years ago, that's one of the things that we kind of cut corners on, weight room, stuff like that. Uh, but now, probably the last four years, the weight room is very, very, very important because it, it's the, you, you have to make some sacrifices to be able to do it. You know, uh, you got to have some consistency. Um, and with, with girls, you just can't go ahead. All right, we're just going to work out one day this week. Or, hey, we're going to take a week off. It's, you just got to be consistent uh, with it. So we just made a commitment for the last three or four years. Hey, a lot of times when school gets back in August, with the class schedules, everyone's kind of excited, a little nervous. Um, so what we have done now, when we get back to school, we may not pick the basketball up until September, uh, but in August we're already getting in, lifting weights pretty good, pretty hard. And, uh, of course, that's when you kind of talk about diet and stuff like that. And just we just kind of show them, hey, you gotta make sure you eat this. Their biggest thing is about gaining weight. And I said, hey, girls, you guys going to be – you guys will weigh a little bit heavier. I said, but you're going to look so much better in terms of your physique and how you're going how how strong you're going to be you're going to feel so much better about yourself uh stuff like that and and uh and we like you said we work out twice a week at least during the season during the season at least twice a week during uh like September October sometimes we'll get in three three times a week and uh, of course they don't like that um but we <laughs> got at least 35 to 40 minutes and uh either we're doing circuit training you know crossfit just nonstop, just kind of keep it going because, you know, my brain, I'm a little ADD. I get, if we're standing around not doing anything, I, it just drives me up the wall. And uh, so we just got to get it in there and get it knocked out and just kind of be commit, co- committed about it. Plus, that, these are lifelong skills that these girls will, be, will have when they get older. Yeah, no doubt. And, I, and it, you mentioned a lot of C's there, consistent commitment. Um, you even threw in circuits, um, but it, it all ends up in confidence, right? I, th- I think kids get more confident when they're doing it. Yeah, exactly. If, if you feel good about yourself, it's just kind of like apparel. You know, I asked the, curl, the girls, you guys want to wear Nike or you guys want Russell? It's a coach. We want to wear Nike. And I said, all right, you feel good about wearing Nike. So yeah, let's, let's, yeah we, we feel good. It's, it's the same, it's the same uh, philosophy or mindset in the weight room. You feel good about your body. You're going to feel good walking out on the court. You may not, like going in there, but you're gonna you're gonna like how you feel coming out, 
And uh, if, they, if they can understand that, um, I think it just makes them a better person, a better player. And they just have a better attitude about them. Uh, plus, their parents sees that too, you know, and say, hey, they're working hard. They're, you know, they're, they're committed to this. And if their parents can see their body kind of change a little bit, then they, they know their daughter's working hard and getting after it. And, and that's something they can be proud of too. Yeah, that's so true. Coach, give, give me a quick in-season workout that you do. And it might only be like 10, 15 minutes. Give me, give me a, just give me a sample if you could. Okay, so we go ahead. We do um, on, on on the workouts. We we'll go ahead. We do we do some bench a little bit, just kind of kind of warm them up a little bit. Uh, we, we do we do a lot of uh, um, oh lunges on on the benches. Uh, we do some big boys, which we go ahead and kind of do pull ups uh, on the weighted on the, on the bar bench bar, and they're at such an angle. Uh, we do tons of core workout with planks, uh, reverse planks, and uh, Superman planks and and uh, kind of planks that reach for the stars, those type of planks there. So that we always kind of work on the core of that. Um, of course, we work on triceps with with medicine balls and stuff like that. Um, different um, angles with the with with the medicine ball. We call it, we call it the sizzle. So what what the sizzle is is that each kid gets a ten pound med ball. And uh, for like one minute straight, they do a chest pass, but they're hanging on the ball. They extend out, bring it back, extend out. Sure. And of course, we then as soon as they get done with that, boom, we're overhead. Just four minutes nonstop. And of course, we do four minutes, then we do a minute of uh, triceps, whereas they take the ball behind the shoulder blades and bring it back up. And uh, and then the last one they do, which is the easiest one, but it's also the hardest one because it's the last of the four. And what they do is that they take the med ball down by their waist. They just bring it up, hold it, pause straight ahead, bring it back down. And they do that for four minutes straight. I mean, it really helps their forearms or grip. Uh, that's one thing I really noticed the last three or four years by doing that is that very seldom we ever got stripped because our, our kids' hands are so uh, strong, uh, forearms are stronger, uh, things of that nature. And we do a lot of quick steps on the benches, you know, so we do a little explosion. On sure. that, you know, um, so we, we, we do, we have like three different types of workouts so that way they don't get bored doing it. One of them is, is, is a circuit training and the other two, uh, are the same, are the, uh, two different types of workouts, for like we have bench and overhead stuff like that kind of hit the big muscle groups. And, uh, and the other workout is more explosion kind of CrossFit type stuff. Yeah. That's great stuff. And, and now is it 20 minutes? Uh, time it and is it like 30 second drills or how do y'all do that so on, on the circuit we, we we go ahead and do it uh, for 45 seconds boom okay and that what that does it kind of so we give them like 15 minute or 15 second second breaks between the circuits so that way everyone's it's like military so everybody's sure. at the same time and uh, of course i kind of like seeing that because i could look down everybody's working out hey all right everybody's resting um, as for the other other workouts, stuff like that, with the sizzle, we do that every time we do it. Um, every time we work out, we always do that. And, uh, but the other workouts right there, we just do sets. And uh, we just try to match up girls who are strong. They stay in a strong, strong group. And, and so that way, physically-wise, they're not constant. Or physically-wise, they're all the same kind of weight class, so to speak, in terms of right. – lift and things of that nature what that does it cuts down a lot of the time being wasted changing the weights out of the barbells and stuff like that and 
you want your stronger kids to push your stronger kids and things of that nature. Yeah, that's great stuff. I mean, um, and I love to have you. I'm actually going to, I'll text you on this. I'll, I, I want to get some of those key drills and so forth from you. I, I always try to take a few things from each person. I, and uh, I really appreciate you sharing those top five. That's great. There's all, there's always more stuff, but I think, I think it's important to know your priority list and um, hopefully the coaches out there will take one or two pieces from you. Right. And learn from it. Absolutely. And like I said, all the stuff that I've got is just strictly my philosophy, but all the drills that I do, I stole it from somebody else. So sure. You know, so I, I want to make sure I put a disclaimer on that and so that I did not invent this. I learned a lot of my stuff from Hubie Brown. I think he does. A, when he did the clinic, I learned a lot from him in terms of just how you approach athletes, how you talk to athletes and, and uh, things of that nature. I thought that was a, uh, I thought he was, that's where I get a lot of my stuff is from what he, what he does. Yeah. And you, yeah. You one of the great teachers of all time, man. He, um, for young coaches, man, you got to, he's got some great stuff out there still in those videos. Um, Hey, Tom, give me one last piece of advice for a new coach going to be starting hopefully in June. What is one last piece of advice you have learned from over the years that you can offer a new coach? Well, I, I, one thing I would say, and I, and I said this last week to somebody, I said, I wish when I got into coaching, uh, when I started here, I wish I was under a seasoned coach. Or I wish I would have went ahead and, all right, I like his philosophy. I want to adopt his mentality, how he approaches the practice and things of that nature. And just be able to kind of study what he does and how he does things, how he handles things. Um, Because a lot of times the older coaches, they have no problem mentoring a younger coach in terms of, hey, don't worry about this. Hey, don't worry about that. Hey, you need to focus on this. This is what got me. And what that does, it just kind of cuts through – all the, I'm going to say, oh, it cuts through all the BS in terms of what you think should happen. Kind of kind of talk to the older coaches. And I wish I was younger. I wish I would have done that more. I've done, I've talked to some, but I wish I'd done it more, relied on more, uh, have someone to go to say, hey, I got a parent on my butt right now. How do I handle this? You know, how do I approach this? And, uh, it, uh, and the biggest thing is, it's not, whether you are right or wrong is, is whether how you could avoid uh, major conflicts down the road. And a lot of times if you're honest and upfront, you could avoid a lot of that stuff. And, uh, and sometimes, especially nowadays, you, sometimes you got to have those tough conversations early on and they may not like it. And you may feel uncomfortable, but if you do it, it's going to pay dividends down the road and the, and the kids going to respect you even more. But that's, I mean, just trying to find an older coach that you could be able to communicate, talk to. Uh, so that way he kind of mentor you through some, because you're going to have some rough times. That's, that's, that's a given. And if you can find somebody kind of help you through that and reassure you everything's going to be all right, you're, you're way ahead of the game. All the X's and O's, they'll, they'll come. They'll come. Yeah, and the information's out there. I mean, we're in the information age right now. And and actually, it's funny how you say that. That's why I do the podcast, because um, we got a lot of coaches, experienced coaches like yourself. Man, all you got to do is, I mean, your information's available. If they want to call you and say, hey, Tom, man, talk about, you know, how do you deal with parents? Man, it's out there. I think coaches just need to take the initiative, right? Exactly. That's, that is so true. And, and, and a lot of times – 
you know, with, with parents, I, I look at them whereas they want the best for their kid. And once they understand that you are that you want the best for them too, nine out of ten times they're on your side, you know. Right. But not to a point whereas what's best for your kid is not going to take take president over what's best for the team. And, and most common sense parents agree with that statement. Um, but uh, but yeah, on that stuff like that, it's you, you're going to experience that. I mean, there's there's no way about it. And I well, the better the player. A lot of times, <laughs> sometimes more the problems you're going to have because you're not going to have issues on the court. You'll probably have issues off the court or, you know, stuff outside of basketball. Um, very seldom you ever have a kid that's very, very good and you have zero issues with the kid. You know, there's always there's always some kind of baggage there that you got to be able to manage and be able to take care of. And and uh, But to me, my, my thought process on that, I'm willing to do that because – those kids like that, they're, they're a talent on the floor. I mean, obviously they have worked at it and, and they deserve, how can I say, extra attention because of that, you know? Yeah, that's a great point. I, uh, I definitely can relate to that. I got, I got one really good potential. I mean, she, she's going to play at the next level and so forth. And uh, the key is to develop that connection, that relationship with the mom and dad, make sure that we're all in the same. And sometimes as a coach, you might have to, you know, you have to be flexible a little bit. You can't be too hard-headed, right? Exactly. You got you to gotta go ahead and kind of – you got to put yourself in the parent's situation and in the kid's situation and, see, and, and just kind of understand where they're coming from and what that will do. Once you understand that, you know, because um, everybody has a different, different philosophy on how to do things. And my thing is this, is that I have changed my philosophy over the years – you know, I always like Coach K. He 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 went ahead and made a comment. Uh, matter of fact, I said this to one of my assistant coaches a couple couple months ago. He said he was fixing to go ahead. He he, he was such a the military guy. You know, he uh, puts everything and say everything's got to be in order. You know, and he said he's fixing to go ahead and play uh, North Carolina and Wojo, his, one of his guards wasn't there. And well, he has a rule: if you're late for the bus, you don't play. Hmm. Well, he goes ahead and. Looked at the looked at his watch. Wojo's five minutes late. He said, by his rule, he's not going to be able to play, and he's fixing to play a big national, you know, uh, televised game. And uh, he just went ahead. And he finally got there and said, "Coach, I apologize. I overslept." And and he goes ahead. And I'm thinking, all right, by rule of thumb, he can't play. But he went ahead and kind of spun it back on his uh, his uh, roommate for not waking him up. And he just kind of used that. And then he said, after that instance right there, he went ahead and just he basically had a rule that don't do anything going to be detrimental to the team. And he quit putting paint and everything in, in a, in a box. You know what I'm saying? Try to put, he quit doing that. And because each situation is different and uh, you just got, and you have to approach in that mindset and you just got to be flexible. Yeah. Flexibilities, I, I, particularly this time. I think, I think you have to be flexible as a coach. You got to believe in your principles, uh, but coach, man, I appreciate you sharing, man. Thank you so much for taking the time out. Um, uh, we went overtime today, Coach. So, I mean, I'm trying to keep your basketball mind sharp, man. So, uh, <laughs> I appreciate you joining us. I'll send you the link and everything, and um, I'll put it on social media because I know you do a lot on social media. What's the best way for coaches to get a hold of you? Uh, the best way is probably through email, you know, uh, which is uh, T-H-A-L-B-M-A-I-E. 
E R at Bentonville K twelve dot org. That'll be the best way. Or uh, or my office phone, which is four seven nine two five four five one three seven. You know, we're, we're out of school until April seventeenth, so uh, you might want to call and talk. And I have no problem with that at all. That's right. The office hours are open, right? So I mean, um, Coach, I wish you the best. Hope you and your family stay healthy. Okay, I wish everything the best for uh, you and your family. So uh, thanks again for uh, coming on the uh, podcast. You bet, Coach. Hey, appreciate you having me on. All right. Take care now. Thank you. You bet. Bye. Huddle is the preferred video and analytics platform for over 6 million users and 150,000 teams worldwide. Huddle offers a complete performance platform, including the most powerful and flexible tools for video analysis with online tools, mobile and desktop apps, smart cameras, analysts, and more. For more information on Huddle, check out hudl.com or at Huddle on Twitter and Instagram. Hey, this is NBA skills coach Drew Hanlon of Pure Sweat Basketball, and I've been working hard to build an online basketball school to help players and coaches. I'd love for you to check it out at puresweatbasketball.com. Hello, my name is Rory Hamilton. I'm the head girls basketball coach at Norman North High School in Norman, Oklahoma. If you're looking for top-notch basketball coaching instruction and help, look no further than the Championship Vision Podcast with Coach Kevin Furtado. You can listen about our five keys to success at Norman North Girls Basketball, along with many other podcasts at championshipvision.org or listen on Spotify at Championship Vision. Happy hooping.